Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Uh, Your grace is enough. So I'm just going to ask you, um, is it? Is it really? Um, uh, it, it seems that maybe, maybe it is. I hope that it is. But I wonder if it is why we avail ourselves to so many mindless pursuits. I hope that it is. I hope his grace, I know that his grace is enough. So today we're going to start... Our, our Thanksgiving series, and I love this this time of year. Uh, my wife loves this time of year. Uh, you you probably have, if you've been anywhere near my house, smelled the pumpkin spice. You, I I get it when I'm pulling into the cul-de-sac. It's just, it's uh, it's funny because it's true. Uh, I love this time of year, and I love the the Thanksgiving season. Uh, and here's what's going to happen in a, cu- in a couple weeks. And everyone's Thanksgiving tradition is a little bit different. But uh, here's how it looks at my house. We will gather around an insane amount of food. And eat an insane amount of food. Watch an insane amount of football. And then eat more food. It's quite <clears throat> disgusting what, the way we behave. Um, but somewhere in that process, someone will say, what are you thankful for? And, you know, we, we have this routine. What are, you, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for life. I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for my family. Thankful for God. I'm thankful the Bulldogs beat Missouri's 27 to nothing last night. I shouldn't do that. It's my own fault, y'all. It's my own, it's my own fault. I, I, opened that, I opened that door. Uh, but we're all, we all have things that we can be thankful for. Am I correct about that? But, but how many would understand that there's a difference between someone who is thankful for something and someone who is genuinely a thankful person? So what I want us to do over the next several weeks, over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the attitudes that you would possess if you are indeed a thankful person. See, it's, it's easy to gather around an insane amount of food and be thankful for what's on the table, isn't it? But what about the other 364 days of the year? Are we thankful people? Are we people who uh, are genuinely thankful? So we're going to talk about, over the next three weeks, three specific attitudes. Today, we're going to talk about contentment. And I'm going to tell you that um, it may not mean what you think it means. I'm I'm going to tell you that most of us are not content. Uh, Paul even said, we're going to read in just a minute, I have learned to be content. In other words, it's a process. It's not something you're born with. 
It's a, a process to learn. So let's dive right in and talk about what it means uh, to, to live a lifestyle of contentment. Psalm 100, we will read this every week. I love this psalm, and it ought to be a banner for our life. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Are you on the, are, are you on the earth? So that's you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. We could probably stop there for a minute. Uh, I, I think, have you ever seen somebody that was a servant of the Lord and didn't know how to smile? Great testimony there, isn't it? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Everybody come into the, through the doors giving thanks today, everybody? Well, thank you, three of you. That was awesome. <clears throat> Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So we're going to start with contentment. We're going to start with contentment. And I'm going to tell you that this attitude has troubled me in the past. It, it really has because I, if there was ever a time when I wanted something more, something more for me, something more for my family, for my life, if I would ever wonder, uh, I, I would wonder in those times, am I being discontent? If I was ever unhappy with the person I was, or I wanted to be a better leader, a better pastor, if I wanted to be better, am I discontent with who I am? I want to be more organized, more disciplined. Anybody else ever wanted to be more organized? I, I, had, a, I had a student's parent come into my office one time and said, oh, oh Pastor, when you were so organized, and I went, it's a myth. It's really not what it seems. <clears throat> am I being, when I want more, am I being discontent. We're going to answer that question over the next few moments. But first, here's what I want to do. I want to give you a, a very working definition of the word contentment. Here we go. The, the word contentment means the state of being at peace with my current station in life. The state of being at peace with my current statement, station in life. At peace with my current station in life. So I'm going to start this deal by asking this question are you at peace with who you are and what you have are you at peace today in who you are and what you have here we go philippians chapter 4 paul deals with this issue of contentment by saying these words philippians 4 11 says i am not saying this because i am in need for i have learned Four very powerful words. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. So I'm just going to stop right here and say, has anyone in the room ever been well-fed? Anyone in the room ever been hungry? Okay. Anyone ever had plenty? Anyone ever been in need? So are, are you getting the idea? We, I, I wonder if, if maybe you have a story kind of like my wife and I. When my wife and I first got married, 
Um, I had this myth that because we both had decent jobs and because we both lived in our parents' house and thought we made a lot of money at the time, that when we, when we cohabitated, there'd just be plenty. I was wrong. I, I remember a, a Monday, I went into the, uh, the Starvin' Marvin. Y'all remember Starvin' Marvin gas stations? I'm old. Uh, Starving Marvin gas station on 120 beside where our mobile home was parked, and they had 39 cent cheeseburgers on the on the little rotisserie. And I went hallelujah. So guess what we had for dinner Monday night? We had 39 cent cheeseburgers. Guess what I had for lunch Tuesday? 39 cent. Guess what we had for dinner Tuesday night? Yeah. Anybody else got a story like that? Yeah. You, you know what it's like to have to. Maybe scrape together some stuff and not to have plenty. See, I, I want us to, before we go anywhere else with this, contentment the, 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 doesn't rise and fall. Contentment doesn't rise and fall on what's in your bank account. It doesn't rise and fall on what you own and what you have and what you earn. So when you hear someone talk about contentment, do you ever get this feeling that maybe you're not? You're supposed to be. So I'm going to just take a little pressure off of you. We've all felt it. And I did a little word study on that word content. And do you know the word content and the word content are very similar? Uh, not just in the, the way they're spelled. Don't you love the English language that set, spells you know, many different words the same way? It's just kind of crazy. But the, but the word content and Content are very, very similar. And here's what I think we can draw from that. That we should learn to be content with the contents of our life. We should learn to be content with who we have, who we have, what we have, and who we are. Um, so you're going to ask yourself this question. Am I at peace with the contents of my life? So I'm going to talk to you for a couple minutes about some contentment killers some things in our life and i just have a funny feeling that you've dealt with some of these as i have the first contentment killer that i want you to understand is that comparison kills contentment first corinthians 7 and 17 says nevertheless each person should live as a believer can i can i replace that word because I, I believe that what that word is telling us, that each person should live as a believer, each person should live as a representative of Christ to the world in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Um, God's called you to a situation. God's called you to an assignment. God's called you to a certain station in your life. And here's what will happen. If you continually compare your station to somebody else's station, there's no way you'll walk, you'll walk and live in contentment. If you always compare the contents of your life with the contents of somebody else's life, you'll never live and walk in contentment because you'll always have your eyes on what somebody else has. You'll always have your eyes on what somebody else owns or what somebody else drives or where somebody else lives or the, the family that somebody else has. 
And I'm going to tell you that I don't think social media has helped this a lot. Would you agree with that? Uh, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I guess I'm probably as active on social media as anybody. Uh, but there are days where I'm just over it. Anybody else, please tell me I'm not alone. In that. I'm, just, I'm just over the nonsense. I'm just over the, the continual just, I, I read an article in Forbes magazine, and here's what it talked about, the link between overactivity on social media and active anxiety and depression. It said it doesn't mean Facebook causes depression, but that depressed feelings and lots of time on Facebook and comparing oneself to others tend to go hand in hand. There's a, real, there's a real phrase called Facebook envy. And I'm going to tell you, let's not get caught in that trap. Let's not get caught in the idea. Because listen, uh, if you look at somebody's life on Facebook, that's probably not really their life. It's probably really not how they live. Nobody puts pictures of their kids up with peanut butter in their hair acting stupid. You know, they always put the, you know, no, nobody puts pictures of, you know, my, my wife and I are always checking in on our date night and then no, it makes you sick, but we don't care. <laughs> we always do stuff like that because it's fun and it, but you know, nobody posts, you, you know, we had a knockdown drag out over the phone bill. <laughs> you know, nobody posts that. And so I'm going to tell you that while you know, all that stuff is fun. Don't get caught in the trap of comparing your life to somebody else's thinking, I wish I had their life because I'm going to tell you something. There's somebody watching you going, I wish I had your life. Yeah. There's somebody looking at you wishing, I, I, I wish I was at their station. I wish I had their assignment. I wish my life was as good as theirs. So I, Listen, I, I know that comparison isn't all bad, and there's such a thing as healthy comparison. I'm just going to tell you not to get caught in the trap of comparing what you have, who you are, with someone else and their stuff all the time. Don't compare your, 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 your car, your life, your education, your, your station in life, your career, your children to somebody else's. You'll, you'll never be able to walk in contentment as long as you're playing the comparison game. You with me? All right, I'm going to... I want, you to, I want you to listen to this. It's really all about motives. Listen, uh, James chapter 3 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, those are two very, very powerful words. If your goal for something bigger, something better, comes from a heart of selfish ambition, then I'm, I'm going to tell you you'll never be able to walk and live in contentment. Selfish ambition in your hearts. Don't boast about it or deny the truth. Here's why. Listen, such wisdom does not, come, does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Man, if the enemy, the enemy doesn't care if, you're, if, he, if you have your eyes on him. He just wants you to take your eyes off the blessings that God has in your life. And cause you to focus on somebody else's blessings. So comparison kills contentment. Let me tell you what else kills contentment. Complaining kills contentment. I'm going to try not to get on a little soapbox here, but I might just for a minute. 
Will y'all indulge me if I get on a little soapbox here? Here's what the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, if, you're a, if you're a parent or an aunt, uncle, and you've got the occasion to be around small children, and listen to them begin to complain about anything, right? You know, if, if a child's tired, you can put his favorite meal in front of him, and what's he going to do about it? He's going to complain, oh, why that? You ever spend a ton of money on a, on a Christmas present for a child, and it, it, it wasn't exactly what they wanted? Uh. I wonder if that's how God feels about us every day of our life. My new car didn't have the seat eater. My iPhone only has two cameras. We do complain. And, and obviously those are exaggerated examples. But how many times you complained about, oh, I don't know, you complained about your job. Complained about your house. Complained about your husband, your wife. You complained about how your children behaved. You complained about, listen, anything. I'm going to challenge you with something. Don't ever, ever, ever complain about anything that someone else would consider a blessing. You ever complain about a meal? Put that exact same meal in front of a starving man and see what happens. Ever complain about your job? Offer that job to a man who's been looking for work for nine months. Ever complain about your income? Offer that exact same income to someone who's, who's unemployed. Ever complain about your clothes? Ever complain about, listen, anything. Don't complain about anything that... If someone else were put in your exact same situation, they would give thanks to God for. I wonder how God feels when we complain about something that someone else would consider a blessing. If I were God, and you were God, you know what you would do? You'd take it away from the complainer, and you'd give it to someone who was thankful, wouldn't you? Aren't you thankful that you're not God, and I'm not God? Because that's exactly how we would behave. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I never complain. Because I'm a human being just like you. But I am challenged to never complain about anything that someone else would consider a blessing. In, in reality, aren't most of our complaints petty? I, I'll, I'll give you a little, a little tiny example. Uh, I, I'm... I'm I'm glad to see our friend Tracy back. She's had a, a tough few weeks. Okay, so you, you don't know this, but I have to get injections in my eyes every, every few months. And it's, it's not pleasant. And I complain a lot. And I, I take that opportunity to, you know, to milk it for everything it's worth on the days I get them. And, and my wife is so gracious. And she's like, you need anything, baby? Well, you know, some... 
Chicken wings might make my eyes feel better. And chicken wings do make your eyes feel better. I'm just saying, chicken wings. You know, and, and Tracy began to tell me a little bit about her ordeal over the last couple weeks. And I'm like, you know, my shots aren't so bad. All I'm saying is let's, before we turn the complain engine on, just take a step back. God, am I, am I complaining about something you've given me? Because in reality, if I didn't get those shots every, two, every three months, I couldn't see you. It's a tremendous blessing. And God opened a door where I get, listen to me, $10,000 worth of medicine for $100 every three months without insurance. How is, are, are you, so as I'm whining about the pain in my eyes and demanding chicken wings and, you know, shouldn't I be going, God, thank you that you've opened a door to restore my vision at a, pl- at a price that I can afford and taking, you're, you're taking care of me. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying here? Let's, let's slow down about complaining about anything. In fact, what did scripture just say? What did we just read? Give thanks in all circumstances. Come on, y'all. Your life, my life, has been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Heaven is our home. Blessing is our way of life. And we've got no right reason to complain about it. Stop it. If, if somebody say, that's good preaching, Dwayne, I'll go on. <laughs> See, why don't I do that? <laughs> Complaining kills contentment. Now, here's what I want you to grasp, too. Contentment and complacency aren't the same thing. Hey, if, if there's something in, your, in the contents of your life that's unhealthy, that's unproductive, that's sinful... It needs to change. And when we use the word contentment to excuse our sin, to excuse our complacency, it, it's, it's not healthy. Uh, I, I look at it this way. I, I need to be content in the station that I'm in today, but I need to work for tomorrow. Does that make sense? I, I want to I be a better man tomorrow than I am today. I want to be a better pastor Tomorrow than I am today. I want to be more disciplined tomorrow than I am. I want to work toward becoming a better me, but I got to be content with the me on November 10th. Right? Does that make sense? Part of doing that is we learn how to check our motives. So I'm going to take a little pressure off of you. If if you'd say, "I, I need a better car. If you need a better car, because the new one just came out. Then maybe that's a, an attitude of discontent. If you need a better car because it has 300,000 miles on it and the wheels are falling off, maybe that's a pretty good motive. If you need a better, if you, know, if you want a bigger house because your sister got a bigger house and you want to make sure that you keep up with, maybe that's, anybody see where Dwayne The Rock Johnson just because he was doing some work in, uh, in Atlanta, bought a house for him to stay in while he was here working. Nine and a half million dollars for his, yeah, for his part-time job. 
Now listen, if you got it, I guess, whatever. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that wanting a, a bigger home when you got five kids and you're living in a one-bedroom apartment is a bad thing. No, that's a good thing, right? So I, I think it's really a matter of motive, isn't it? So I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to feel like wanting something more or needing something more is, a, is an indicator of discontentment. Uh, and I also don't want you to, well, you know what? My dad was angry, so I'm just, I'm just content with who I am. No. If there's something in your life that needs to change, don't, that's not contentment, that's complacency, and that's not the same thing, okay? So let's, let's talk about five things that may point to your actually having an attitude of discontentment. You ready? You might be discontent, number one, if you don't celebrate the successes of others. I can't believe she got the promotion when, that I was in line for. I can't believe they got the new car and I didn't get the new car. I can't believe they got the better job. And I didn't, you get what I'm saying? Shouldn't we, as people of God, celebrate God's blessings on other people? I say yes. I, I, I believe that when we don't celebrate not celebrating the success of someone else is, is really a you problem and not a them problem. See, the, because it goes further than that, not only do you not celebrate the successes of others, you do celebrate the failures of others. They just got what was coming to them. Yeah. Let's, let's not be that guy or gal. When somebody fails... Somebody struggles when somebody sins. I, I knew they weren't real. Stop. When you don't success, when you don't celebrate the success of others, when you do celebrate the failures of others, when you have the attitude that it's never good enough. If you can't enjoy the station you're in, listen to me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a, an old guy for a minute. If you can't enjoy the station you're in, please listen to this. All of my older friends told me that life goes by quickly. My dad spent 35 minutes last Sunday at his 90th birthday party. And I don't know what prompted it. But he went through his entire adult life in about 35 minutes. And we were all in awe of just how much he remembered. And stuff that I had never heard in my 53 years about what my dad did when he was in the military, his early working career, stuff I never knew. My dad's 90, and if he were here, he would tell you that 90 years goes by faster than you think it does. So here's what I'm going to strongly urge you to not do don't miss the joys of this season by being discontent with the season that you're in you're going to miss your life I don't want to live my life in a constant state of discontent because what you're going to do is you're going to miss the joys of this season can I tell you Donna and I look back with joy and laughter about those days when we had to survive on 39-cent cheeseburgers. 
It's a, it's a huge part of our story. What I don't want from you, what I don't want for you, is you to miss the joys of this life because it's, what I have isn't good enough. The place I'm in isn't good enough. If, if that's where you're at, can I tell you, um, you, you're missing your life. And I don't want that for you. So if you don't celebrate the successes of others, you do celebrate the failures of others. If it's never good enough, if you're good at counting other people's blessings, then you're probably in a state of discontent. Because you may not, listen, if you've gotten so good at counting other people's blessings that you've forgotten how to count your own, you're certainly in a state of discontent. Because I can look over this room and I know every one of you is a blessed pe person. Every one of you are, are a blessed people. And if you're so busy counting somebody else's blessings that you don't, listen, you don't stop daily. Thank God for what he's blessed you with, for your for what you have, for your home, for your family, for your church, every day. You ought to count and thank God for the blessings of life. So you don't celebrate the successes of others. You do celebrate the failures of others. It's never good enough. You're good at counting other people's blessings, and it's easier for you to receive than to give. You're probably in a discontented state. Write this down. Contentment can never be found in what you have. I'm, as many of you know, I'm, I'm a sports fan. And I, I, I love the competitive nature of, uh, you know, professional collegiate sports. I love it. I, I, and, you know, it just is what it is. I've always been a huge sports fan. But there's, there's, a, there's a dark underbelly in, in, of greed. And I, I'll, I'll see a, a professional athlete who wants it in his contract that he has to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league. In other words, $24 million a year to play a game is good now, but if somebody else gets 25, I want 26. Man, come on, y'all. All right, now, now we'll point a finger of judgment at that. But just, just take away a few zeros and find out that the guy that does the same job as you gets, you know, 14 cents an hour more than you do. Don't we have the same? Yeah. Contempt is never, if, if that's your pursuit, it'll never be enough. If you buy a $9.5 million house, somebody else will buy a $10.5 million house. It'll never be enough. If, if that's your pursuit to, to be okay with the contents in your life, get ready for a long, hard haul. Because you'll never get there. Some of you are not old enough to remember Sugar Ray Leonard, one of the most prolific boxers that ever lived and was making millions upon millions of dollars in, in, in fights and endorsements. And I saw an interview with him where he talked about how miserable he was in, in a, you know, a 
18,000 square foot house. Some of you might be too young to remember Deion Sanders, who signed one of the most prolific contracts to play football in the NFL that anybody had ever seen. And I heard his story about sitting on the side of the road uh, on, uh, on an acceleration lane and on a highway with a gun to his head. You'll never find contentment in what you have. The second thing I need you to understand and write down is contentment will never be found in who you are. Well, I just want to be the boss. I just I want to be at the top of the ladder. I, I want to be the most educated. I want to be, I want to own my own business. And that's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for small business owners or big business owners. But that's not where you're going to find contentment. You'll find an income. You'll find passion and pursuit. Don't get me wrong, but that's not where your contentment's going to come from. You'll never, you'll never be content with who you are and what you have until there is contentment in your soul. 1 Timothy 6 and 6 says it this way. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. In fact, the Bible teaches that you'll prosper as your soul prospers. Listen, if your soul is sick, it doesn't matter how big your bank account is. If your soul is sick, it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive and how big a, a house you live in. If your soul is sick, if your soul is uneasy, if your soul is restless, St. Augustine said it this way, our hearts, O oh Lord, are restless until they can find rest in you. The only pursuit, the only path to contentment is a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And listen to me. Oh, this is going to be so mean, and please don't judge me. But if you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and you're continually discontent, then you're that little kid that's complaining about, uh, uh, you're the whiny kid at the dinner table. That's mean, but it just happens to be true. And I'm going to tell you that because God is a God of love and grace and mercy and compassion, he loves you, and that'll never change. But don't be that. Don't be that kid that's never good enough for it. Oh, man, open your eyes and see how good God has been to you. Because he has been, by the way. Write this down. Contentment comes from your soul, not from your circumstances. If you're discontented, listen, it has nothing to do with your station in life. It has nothing to do with your job. It has nothing to do with your, your income. Not that you don't, want, you don't want more. I get it. I understand. But if you're discontented in your soul, it's not because of your stuff. It's because there's something going on in your soul. So here's, here's some things I want to give you. I'm going to give you five things to take home to, to help us foster and do like Paul said, and learn to be content. Okay, five things. You ready? Number one, count your blessings. Be more concerned with counting your blessings than counting someone else's. And oh, by the way, if, if, if this thought came into your head, well, I really don't have that much to be. Stop. 
Anybody have anything to eat this morning? Anybody come to, uh, you, you've heard me go through this drill, but I'll go through it more and more. Anybody drive to school? This, I'm drive to school. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Anybody drive to church? Any, anybody have to walk here today? Hang on, let me see. No, okay. Um, anybody have a roof over your head? You get where I'm going with this? Because, listen, then depending on what statistic you read, you're among the richest people on this planet. If you've got a working refrigerator with something in it, you're like top 4%. So don't pretend like you don't have a blessing to count. All right. And as they say on social media, rant over. (laughs) Count your blessings. Number two, stay out of the comparison trap. I heard a pastor say it this way, and and I, I I think it's brilliant. He said, never... Compare someone else's highlight reel with your behind-the-scenes video. Because that's what you see on Facebook, and that's what you see on Instagram, is the filtered highlight reel, isn't it? I I, I love the way my my wife loves to put pictures up of my new granddaughter. She's still new. She's 96. She is beautiful. But she put this one up that had this, Donna likes these filters. and, And I was like, she looks like a China doll. You know, and don't compare your bratty kid with somebody's China doll that you see on Facebook. You see what I'm saying? Don't compare your reality to somebody else's fantasy. Stay out of that trap. Count your blessings. Stay out of the comparison trap. Okay. Keep the words thank you close to your lips and and maybe maybe I'll I'll add this little caveat especially when you pray don't and I'm not saying you do this but if your prayer is you know your Christmas list to God on a regular basis then stop in fact here's a great rule don't ask God for anything until you've thanked him for something that's good. You ought to tweet that. Somebody ought to write that down. That's good. Well, say it back. I don't even know if I can remember. Don't, don't ask God for anything until you thank him for something. That's pretty good. I know I said it, but that's pretty good. And, and, and I'm going to tell you how to, how to do that, how to keep thank you close to your lips. If you'll remind yourself what you really deserve. Because you're not going to like this. But I'm going to tell you what we deserve is death, hell, and the grave. Because of our sin, what we deserve is eternal punishment. What we deserve is prison. What we deserve is punishment. But we didn't get what we deserved. In fact, isn't that the, the very definition of grace? That we didn't get what we deserved. He got what we deserved. Jesus took what we deserve on his back. So, so before, if, if you just keep that thought, what do I really deserve? Because that, that trap works the other direction. I deserve better than this. I deserve a better house. I deserve a better car. I deserve a better job. I deserve a better family. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. Here's what you really deserve, death, hell, and the grave. If you'll remember that, thank you will be a lot closer to your lips. Amen? All right. Count your blessings. Stay out of the comparison trap. Keep thank you close to your lips and capture 
your complaints. New Testament talks about taking every thought and make it captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't you love being around somebody that complains all the time? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome to be at... Donna and I used to have some friends, and she's not in this room, and, and uh, I, she probably wouldn't be able to identify herself because she was so incredibly narcissistic. Oh, did I say that out loud? We would be in this, we, we, it didn't matter, we never went out to eat with them where she didn't send something back. And I'm like, you know, they're spitting in your food. We were in Burger King, y'all. Burger King. And she sent her french fries back because they weren't crispy enough on the outside and tender enough on the inside. And I'm like, Burger King. Just be thankful there's not a roach in your french fries. Eat and let's go on with our lives. Hey, listen, your complaint affects other people. And so when you start complaining about how bad things are and, and you start complaining about your station in life, I want you to ask yourself how your spirit of discontentment affects those who are closest to you. Because it does. If, if I came home and Donna was constantly complaining about something, I'd feel like a very poor husband. I'd feel like a poor provider. I'd feel like... I, Let's just stop and think about how, if I'm complaining all the time about something in the house, she's going to feel like a, she's not going to feel like she's fulfilling her role. It, you, you know what ought to be close to our lips when we deal with each other? Thank you. Thank you. How long have we been married? 33 years, it'll be 34 in February. Um, when I told you thank you for our chicken and dumplings last night, how'd that make you feel? Made her smile. What if I'd have said, it wasn't as good as mama's? <laughs> Matthew Robertson would be preaching this morning. <laughs> Somebody else, right? Let's be aware of how our complaint affects other people. Because it does, especially those closest to you. And then you're going to ask you this this. Very profound question. Is my soul content? I'm going to tell you a story um, that, that might, might help me illustrate what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, does the name um, Horatio Spofford mean anything to anybody? Horatio Spofford lost everything that he owned. He was a businessman, a very successful businessman, and lost everything he owned in the great Chicago fire of 1871, I think it was. Lost everything he owned. Because there was no way for him to earn a living, after losing everything that he had, he decided to go to London and start over there. So he sends his family, his wife and his two daughters. Oh, by the way, his young son died in the great Chicago fire. So he lost his business, lost everything he had, lost his son in the Great Chicago Fire, sends his wife and two daughters to London weeks ahead of him, and 
the ship that they're traveling in goes down. And so in a, in a matter of just a few short weeks, he lost his, his business, his wealth, everything he owned, and his entire family. So he's going to continue his plans to go to London, and he, he travels across the Atlantic Ocean. And at one point, the captain of the ship comes down and says, Mr. Spofford, I just thought you might want to know, this is the place where the ship went down and you lost your family. That moment inspired him to write some, some pretty powerful words. He wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And he wrote, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. And then he said, my sin Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Your contentment has nothing to do with your circumstances. You will only find contentment when your soul is well. Donna, would you come? Thank you, Lord. And can I just... My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. What more do we need? What else does our, our contentment require? Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? I think I would like to, to have this time of prayer a little, a little different than, than normally. Normally I would say if I, I would challenge you to maybe slip a hand up or make eye contact with me if you wanted me to pray for maybe, maybe you're dealing with a spirit of discontent. But I, I, I have an interesting and, and I, I have this opinion that in some way, shape, form, or fashion most of us battle a spirit of discontent. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd, I'd like to pray for us all. But if you're here, listen. And when you ask yourself, is my soul content? If you can't answer that with an affirmative, yes, with conviction, it is well with my soul. I'm going to tell you that nothing and no one 
will bring contentment. No one apart from the Lord Jesus. Dwayne, I'm a Christian. that, That wasn't the question. I'm going to tell you that you'll find contentment only in your pursuit of Him, His plan, His purpose for your life every day. And so if you're here and and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, then I'm going to challenge you to surrender your life to Him today. I'm going to, and, and oh, by the way, that's a simple process. It was a profoundly huge event but it's a simple process to receive Christ. We, we confess that He is who He said He was. Jesus, I believe that You're the Son of God. We confess that He's able to forgive us of our sins. We confess our sins. God, I'm a sinner and I know that. And I need Your forgiveness. The Bible says that when we repent of our sins, that we turn away from our sin, that Christ forgives us. The Bible says that when we're born again, when we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins and we commit our life to Him, the Bible says that all the old is passed away and everything becomes brand new. So if you're here today and and you don't know Jesus, when we pray, I'm going to challenge you to pray a prayer just like that. God, I believe in your Son, Jesus. Forgive me my sin. I want to live for you forever. Take my life. Make it yours. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll pray that prayer with conviction, God will honor it. All the old's gone. Everything's brand new. But I have a feeling that, that there are many people here today that would say, I'm a believer, but I'm struggling with, with contentment. I'm, I'm trying to find contentment in my station. I'm trying to find contentment in stuff, in situation, and circumstances. And I'm going to tell you, you'll never find it there. You'll only find it as you pursue Christ. You'll only find it as you find His plan and purpose for your life. And you become a person who isn't just thankful for something, but you become thankful for the fact that He has shed His own blood for your soul. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you, but I would challenge you today to pursue Christ. Be a person who is genuinely content with what God has done in you and for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for who you are. Most of all today, God, we are thankful for your son Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you that we can stand and say, regardless of the trial, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the difficulty, we can stand and say, it is well with our souls. So God, I pray for those that might be dealing with discontent. God, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help them to understand just how blessed we are. And that they find joy in the middle of this season. God, I pray for those that right now might be making a 